Yo, this is Peck Lover. Yo, he's on the cover. Yo, yo. So you guys are not biological? No. No. Just boys. We're just boys, man. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Burn Down Podcast. Today, we got a man of many talents, fellow podcaster, motivational speaker, nightlife legend, the man behind the shades, Mr. Beck Lover. Beck, thank you for joining us here on the Burn Down Podcast. What's going on, guys? Yo, nice and I like the nice I got the soft. Batman intro. I nice got yeah. We're gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna warm we're gonna warm your audience. Up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First and foremost, I have an announcement to make. Okay. We're gonna shut off. There's the announcement. Phones. <laughs> there it is. phones are off. This is my first and my last podcast I will ever do in Long Island. <laughs> bro, what? The hey, fuck? You, you might want to come back, bro. You might want to come we'll back. See how this, we'll fun. see how this goes, right? You might want to come back. We might have to do a part two. I also say, hey, you might end up in the Hamptons. Don't say never, never. But I gotta, I gotta be honest with you guys. Unless I'm being helicoptered in or bladed, <laughs> bladed for those of you that know it, bro. What the fuck, bro? Long Island traffic, one way in, one way out. That's There's it. no thirty-four miles about. away, door That's to door. It. That's it. Thirty-four miles, guys. It took me two hours to get here. Well, we appreciate you doing that, man. We we're going to make it big enough to eventually have you on for next time, and we're going to get you a helicopter. No, we're going to drop you on the roof of our studio. That's what we're going to I'll say one roll. thing. Let me tell you something. Shades are off. I'm glad I can. Well, we, I can we tell you guys a gentleman, you. you know? And uh, so, yeah, I just want to let you know that that was a fucking nightmare. I must have Fuck crossed traffic, like 10 right? different... <laughs> yeah. But I listen, I've sat in traffic. I've been to, like, there's one city, like, for example, Istanbul, Turkey, right? I don't know if you've ever been there. I have not. No. Okay, it's a great place. It's a lot of fun, a lot of action. But, bro, their fucking traffic, bro, makes your shit look like a joke. Like, you want to talk about spaghetti streets? I sat. I was in Istanbul, Turkey. I sat in my cab, and we didn't go anywhere for one hour and a half. One block. And I'm not getting out. I don't know where the fuck I am. I don't speak Turkish. So, like, when I tell you I've seen bad traffic, I've seen it. Yeah. You guys, man. How often do you come to Long Island? Never again. Okay. <laughs> This is the, I mean, this is the I, last I, I time. came once in a while. I, I actually, one time, I used to consult for this uh, environmental hazard company a long time ago. I forgot. If it, I think it was Melville. I can't remember what town they were based out of. But I only had to go like once every couple of months because it was all done over the phone. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have. Well, in the last like 10 years, the traffic has got exponentially It's always like Way this. worse. Well, let's, well let's, you, unfortunately, you had to come during rush hour. Yeah, you know, it should only take you about a half an hour to get the forty-five minutes. If you came at on a Saturday, you came at yeah. nine o'clock. But so I saw you worst. Yeah, you list this. You is, saw this the, that's the definitely worst. the worst. This is yeah. this is the worst. If you left at like two what? o'clock, it should have been a breeze. Well, you're you here know. now, so that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. got, so you got let, blueprints yeah, in the hand. Um, this is your first time smoking a blueprint. We want you to try. Yeah. It. So, so tell me, this is your stick. So this is our stick. This is the blueprint. Okay, we came out with this about two and a half, three months ago. Sold over three thousand sticks already. We're basically almost. Almost sold out. Now, if you did that in uh, books, you'd be a bestseller. Well, we got to figure out how to convert. That. I'll put it. Well, let's put it this way: we we put this cigar into my local lounge that I started my you know my Instagram channel all that stuff. Put this in there. It sold twice as fast as the number one cigar of the year did the previous year. Sold twice as now, fast. Now, you before I light this. Up. Why don't you tell me just a little bit about it without boring your listeners? Because my listeners don't know shit. Okay, so so That's cigars made quick. in made in Dominican Republic by our good friends Blackbird Cigar Factory. Um, it has a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, 
has an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, and mm. the filler is Nicaraguan, Pennsylvania, Corojo, and Criollo 98. So this thing packs a fucking punch. So this thing is five different. This is five different countries. Mexican rapper is spicy. Yeah. Fucking Nicaraguan tobacco is spicy. I hope you put some things in there making it sweet as well. I'm gonna give you my honest review on this. I smoke three to four cigars a fucking day. Please. I'm a twenty to forty dollar a stick guy. Please. This will smoke like a twenty. I like to try different things. I experiment from time to time. My go to everyday stick for those because I'm assuming you people that listen to this are like uh, cigar smokers. A lot of them. Brothers and sisters of the fucking leaf. That's right. Unite. And we're going to talk about how cigar smoking saved my life, actually. I want to get into all that. I want to literally save my life. No, I'm serious. That's why I wasn't a cigar smoker. I was. I used to be a cigarette smoker. But, but we'll get to that in a second. So my everyday stick is, and I don't think anybody can touch this guy right now. I'm sorry. I love Carlito Fuente. What a fucking gentleman. I was at his 60th birthday. I have pictures of that, by the way. Up at the 666 Fucking evil ass. Mm-hmm. 666 Fifth Avenue yeah. building. The top Grand of the Havana sixes, room, right? All the fucking... Yeah. Top of the sixes. Yeah, all the fucking big shots. are. What a boring fucking place to smoke for guys. Right? Listen, <laughs> Elev- nothing elevator them. only goes up, right? Like, you feel cool. Like, oh, I'm here. This is where Giuliani smokes Arnold Schwarzenegger. The one in Beverly Hills is really nice, though. Really? The one in Bev Hills? I didn't know they had one there. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it's the same, same company. The one in Beverly Hills is nice. It's, it's like right on Rodeo. Beautiful. That's a different experience. There you go. It's like all celebrities. You know what I'm saying? It's ex- but but that, the one over here is more stiff, man. It's like old money, Wall Street. I, well, is, you're talking about the Havana room, right? Yeah. yeah is it under construction? Yeah, it's, in, it's under construction. I haven't been, right I'm talking right about when I went, you know, a few times I've been there. Okay. I was more of a Macanoodle Club guy myself. I had a I box could, there. Have you ever been to the Carnegie Club? Carnegie course, Clubs is great. Nothing against them. They're great. Great it's, environment, but too smoky, bro. It is, it is very smoky. You, look, <laughs> you come out smoky. there dying. The best ventilation out of all of them, Grand Havana. And and the, and, 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 and the uh, Macanoodle Club, yeah. where they got those high ceilings. Yeah. All right, so, so my everyday so, stick, and I'm done. Yes. Um, damn, my brain's fried right here. Brown roll? No, no. The, like the, I do smoke them every day, but I'm saying like if I if like if, if like if I was trying to like save money, what's the best stick I could get for my money? Right, and I do smoke Davidoff every day, pretty much. Davidoff and Ashton. Ashton VSGs or ESGs? Both. Those are good. Beautiful. So so. Is the I don't know why I'm jumping. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, um, you said you love this guy. You said you love this. He's guy. He's a great blender, man. Not Carlito. What's the other guy? Perdomo. A- AJ, AJ. AJ Fernandez. AJ Fernandez. Blue Label. Don Pepin. No. Oh, great cigar. But the the Blue Label. The um. Oh, is it the uh, San Cristobal or the? No, 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 no. My brain is fried here, man. We'll Google it. Like this up. Like this up. And we'll uh, let me. Can't let be me. that much, much of your favorite. I just turned 40 remember. years old, boys. I didn't even celebrate it, man. So Yeah, I'm going to look we'll it celebrate, up. We'll celebrate it. Fernandez. We'll do it here. I'll look up the 40? cigars for you. God, I can't believe I'm drawing a vent right here. I smoked the shit. Oh, this one right here. Is it this one? Yes, man. Give me the fucking. What is that? One. Yeah, this is the well, H. Old, this man. is an H. Upman. Uh, yeah, AJ I'm not Fernandez a big Upman blend. Fan. I don't even like the Upman Cubans, right? But this cigar. This is a, this is the is hands down. Oh, maybe I, oh that's yeah. a, the best. That's a really good one. Everyday, inexpensive cigar, so consistent. A little bit of a punch, a little bit sweet, like fucking well, it's amazing. Nicarag- it's Nicaraguan. Yeah. No, it's amazing. The blend, right now. I agree. it burns perfectly cigar. every fucking time. So what I'm trying to say is, you're not talking to some chump here. You're talking to a dude that knows his craft. I'm gonna give you a full review on this. No All right, so, so wait, so hold on a sec. So you want so, the challenge? So hold on. This is going to be very interesting, okay? Because he says 
that hands down the A. Chupman, H.A. Fernandez is best bang for your buck, hands down. Top five. Okay? Now, let me tell you something. For me, number one. The A.J. Fernandez. Inexpensive. Okay? <laughs> it has Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers, which okay. our cigar has. Sounds familiar. It has an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, which ours has as the binder. Sounds familiar. So we have very similar profile. Look, I'm leaves. drinking coffee to clean the pot. I did everything right to Dude, give I you love guys it. a fair coffee assessment. Cigars are fair, fair assessment. And all we can ask for, and this is what we say to a lot of our, anytime I give this cigar to anybody or we give it to lounges as samples to try it out, I say, listen, just try it. If you like it, great. Place an order. We'll get it in your stores. If you don't like it, okay. No so hard So far, you're, good, you're in good shape to draw. Draw for me is like number one. Ooh, me too. If it doesn't pull the right way. No, it's done. If my mouth doesn't get full of smoke, I don't care how delicious it is. And sometimes the Ashtons are like that. The ones that I smoke, they're so tightly. I find a lot of Cubans like that. I find yeah. a lot of Cubans like the that. The Ashton, ESG, and VSG, sometimes they're so tightly, you know, you, 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 you're, yeah. you're sucking too hard. Yeah. You're like a porn. Well, we had, yeah. well, we, when like we rated that. this, when we made this cigar, we had it draws everything. iteration after iteration. We tried 10 different blends. Actually, it was more. I think it was like 15 different blends over a period of two years until we got this where we wanted. And one of, we had a rating system. One of the most important things was draw. I said, we ne- it needs to be you know packed with enough tobacco. It can't be super loose where it's falling out, right? Because burning quick. That's just burning too Canoeing. quick, and it's you need to have enough filler in there to make it worth your while. But it needs to have a good draw where you pull it in and you get that you feel that smoke in there. You that's feel right. that smoke when you blow it out. You see the smoke because I can't tell you how many times we have that bullshit. Like, and you don't get anything, and you're like, fuck. I'm just gonna toss. It's the biggest it. thing for me. So, I gotta, I gotta have it. Enough about our blueprint. Right, we're gonna let you smoke this, and when you turn forty afterwards, when you turn forty, no one knows the exact date except okay. me. Yeah, about three weeks ago, I'm a Virgo. That's all I can tell you. All right, and it was an. And you haven't celebrated yet. It's for me. It was emotional, though. You know, I've always looked since 21 years old. I stopped celebrating birthdays. Really, for the most part, it really doesn't make a difference until you hit 50. I so looked at it like you know, it's a loss of time. Yes, you should be happy and grateful to God that. You survived another year. You always got to give thanks on your birthday. That's really what, the whole, in my opinion, should be. But don't you think? You but there's just, a sadness too. It's like fuck, another year went that I really do. You know. Yeah, but don't you think you can just give give thanks every day? Like I don't need one day I a year agree, to but, celebrate you know, it's my like life. A, it's like a milestone though. You know, forty is a big one, man. Well, cheers to your yeah, 40s, cheers man. to 40. Are we allowed to cheer? Oh, yeah, we allowed yeah, to yeah, cheers yeah, with yeah. with club soda. Yeah, yeah, hey, we're not, I'm dry. I'm dry. It's not water, right? It's a dry cheers. All right, so hold on. So you know what it was because you look. I was looking back at the whole decade. A lot happened. You know, oh, yeah. I lost a lot of a lot of people in these 10 years, man. A lot of people passed away in my life. I lost my brother. For me, it was a And I gained some lives, right? I gained two boys during the last decade, right? So there was things that were absolutely horrific. And then there were things that were, you know, beautiful that kept me going on. Sometimes I tell people, you know, it's really easy to get depressed. It's really easy to go to a dark place. And sometimes we get caught up in our own mind and we get trapped. I've been there before. And that's how we're going to talk about how cigar smoking sa- literally saved my life. It was a big part of saving my life. And um, I do have a documentary coming out. It's called The Comeback Team. I'm almost done. I spent over, pff, spent well over six figures, bro. My wow. own money, no sponsors, you know. You really get to see who you Listen, you know what's good when people say, like, you know, don't mix friends with family and business? No, I say fucking mix it with them. You know why? Because you're going to see who the fuck is real. Yeah, you'll bro. see who's. I, you don't lose. Okay, they don't give it to you. Yeah, it fucks your nerves. Yeah, it hurts you. Yes, someone doesn't keep your word. In the last month, I probably told about 30 people to go fuck themselves. Wow. I'm not even angry anymore. Because I've noticed I've always been the one giving, giving, giving. And the few times that I ask for something back, things that are like, don't even hurt you, 
or cost you anything, right? And you can't even come through with that. It's like for me now, I look at it like a filter, man. People you, say yeah. don't do business. Right no, look at it. I say you should do business with friends and family because if you can't even do business together, what kind of a fucking relationship do you really have? What kind of love is truly there? Now, I understand some people see things differently and I get that. But I'm talking about when it doesn't really hurt one way or the other. All right. Well, it's, yeah. It's an easy, like I said, it doesn't cost you anything. It, it, it costs you costs you time. I've five, met plenty of minutes, people. 10 minutes, whatever it is. I've met, you've probably met, I've met plenty of people that are family and made millions. Look at the Padron family. I've met Jorge Padron. Yeah. Their whole family's involved in the. So what I'm trying to say is like, that's all bullshit, bro. Either people yeah. respect you or you, it, it, it could be your fault also. I'm not saying that. You was the person trying. Maybe, you know, you've been a fuck up your whole life. Then it's hard for someone to want to trust you. I'm saying an ideal situation. Yeah. Where you've been there for someone. Mm. You've done things in the past. And now you need a little bit of help. And when they can't reciprocate, fuck them, bro. Well, you know you what they're acting when, like? When shit hits the fan, you find out who your real friends are. You know what they're acting like? We are living in a generation of the bitch. The victimhood. There's so many men that act like bitches, man. Tell us about it's it. It's the, uh, what, what do we have? A, a generation of... Um, bastards, I call it. This is the bastard, gener- bastard generation is what I call it. I mean, it, it, it's the generation of being a victim. Yeah, laziness, the victim mentality. Like, you're you raising know, a bunch of pains. Do less and you'll get rewarded. You know, there's no... It's the bastard generation. It's... what it, Who said it's it? Is it Joe Rogan? He said, tough times breed great men. Yes, yes. Uh, great, great men, men bring, bring easy times. times easy times. times. And he smokes cigars. Them. You got to love the motherfucker. Yeah. Tabernacle too, baby. He gained so much respect. I gained so much respect from him. I was on the fence with him when this whole thing went down. Not to get into, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The last few years that have been crazy. And, you know, he was kind of like, and then all of a sudden, I feel like he just went, whoop, to this other side. And it's like not even about politics. It's about like freedom, humanity. But yeah. You don't get the kind of bag he got, the kind of money he got, and create the enemies that he's been creating. You don't go against these big companies that make certain types of things that, they want to put in our bodies mm-hmm. and these, right? You don't do that. The Umbrella Corporation, we'll call them that. We'll call it, that's a good way to put it. The umbrella, yeah. You don't fuck around with these people. When, what what person, what celebrity? They're all about protecting their money. My man. No, he said, fuck it. Got at least 150 <laughs> million to, some say up to as much as 300. Nobody really knows the number. We know well over 100. You don't get that kind of money and put your life at risk. Your yeah, reputation, said, fuck the umbrella. Corporation. Well, because he understands something that so many people don't understand. If shit keeps going the way it's going, it ain't gonna matter if you're rich. Yeah. These people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a first generation Albanian American. I was born in this amazing fucking country, and I'm so angry at my fellow Americans, man. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation. They have no idea the blessing, the opportunity that they've had that I think is diminishing before our eyes. It might not be here much longer, to be honest with you. That's what's terrifying to me. It is. To to have that shot. The problem is lack of education in the sense that people mm. have not been around the world, bro. They haven't seen what the fuck is out there. I've seen it. Well, that's like when... But remember when this whole thing when people are saying, oh, if this happens or if that happens, I'm moving out I'm the country. Canada. I'm going here. I there said, is nowhere to go. I man. said, you don't, you don't understand. Like, go. Because you'll come right back. You don't understand. Like... And and another thing was like, My, how 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 like cocky are you or arrogant are you to think that people give a shit if you leave or not? Like, 100%. who cares? I don't care. Go. There is nowhere to go. Fucking yeah, you're gonna come right back. You're gonna get anywhere else better. Go to Canada, right? Yeah. Look, and I, I, I loved Canada up until all this started. Up until I this fucking started. loved Canada up until this. Loved Montreal. Loved Vancouver. Got an aunt that lives in you know I'm not gonna say the town. 
but she lives between Whistler Mountain and Vancouver City. What a beautiful place. Well, yeah, Canada itself is gorgeous. People are great, yeah, nice, but like, yo, dude, like, have some dignity, man. Respect your freedom that, that people die to give you, man. There's so many people that, like you said, they're just uneducated. They're just unrealistic. Mm-hmm. They just don't understand what they have at their footsteps every single day. And that's another thing to, is you were saying some of these, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth generation <clears throat> Americans that just. Shame on them, though. That shame on you. If you're watching this and you're four fifty six and you don't understand what's at stake right now and all you believe is what you watch on the news and you don't care about your own personal freedom and, and your future, this is bigger than politics, man. I, to me, there is no good side. And I don't want to get into all that. No, yeah, we don't, yeah. There is no good side. Mm. I don't trust any of them. They've all lied to it's us. It's a dirty game, man. It's disgusting. Back to cigars and other cool shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> This so, is okay. This is so for let's, the paid. You want you guys yeah. want to hear these conversations? You got you got to subscribe to this. You got to subscribe to paid. This is gonna be like the like off the. This is the free version. This, this is, is the free, free version. version. Yeah, we might you. do another. Yeah. So okay. So let's let's take it back. I want to start with. I mean, we went. I mean, fuck. What are we? Sixteen minutes in. We haven't even asked the first question yet. So beautiful thing. I love it. Up. I love you gotta, it. You got to warm up a little bit. I love it. So tell us, who is Beck Lover like? Who are you? We mentioned your motivational speaker, your pod, fellow podcaster, right? Your nightlife legend. Like, how did? Who are you? Where did you begin? Like your journey in business, in the podcast game, and motivate. Like, tell us your story. It's a very, it's a fucking crazy. You got story. enough time for that, huh? Do we? We got time. And so, then you know, and we'll dive into how cigar save. Like, like take right. it. You know, it's always weird to like talk about yourself in the third person. Yeah. but I'm weird enough to do it, and do I don't it. mind. That's what. Hey. That's why you're front and center, man. Front and center. So, first of all, it's Beck, for those of you that are just listening to the audio version of this program. It's B like boy, E like Edward, K like Kimberly. Beck. Beck. Beck lover. My full name is Beckham. I was just going to ask. In Albania, that actually means a blessing. Wow. Beckham? I love it. Is it it just E-M at the end? I am. I am. Beck, I am. Beckham. But everyone always butchered this shit in school. Why? That's Beacom not hard Beaker to say. and I don't know. Dude. That's not hard to say. Bro. <laughs> Uneducated. Like I could understand B Kim, but No, Beaker, but, if, Beaker, but, if so, like, like, but if somebody asked you, oh, uh, B Kim, you said, no, it's Beckham. Okay, Beckham. That's not. Yeah, I used to run to the front of the class and be like, yo, please call me Beck to the teacher, right? Like, it's not hard to say. The nickname <laughs> Beck Lover was something my brother, may he rest in peace, he gave me that nickname. It's actually it's a great Most name. people think it's like some name I made up for myself, some persona. I've been called that since seventh grade. And it was actually made in jest. I think my, my brother was maybe referencing, like, the fact that I started wearing these fucking pants that were the size of, like, you know, I, we got pulled. MCM I don't know pants? how old you guys. Yeah, I got pulled into the hip-hop world. Everyone wore baggy jeans. Yep. If you didn't did it. Oh, know. yeah. Remember the Janko jeans way wow. back? That's exactly what they were. <laughs> the Janko jeans. That's exactly <laughs> with the stripes, with the fucking green. Yeah, with the, the huge block letters. Exactly yep. those pants. I put them on, and my brother starts laughing. He was older, 10 years older than me. He's like, yo, 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 Beck lover, yo, yo, undercover. Like making fun fun of me, right? But I'm like, I kind of fucking like the sound of that name. So I tell this guy, I'm like, yo, can you like graffiti this Beck lover and give me like a tag? Like fucking retarded. I realized very shortly that then my dad caught me wearing those pants and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> One time he caught a beeper on me. I just used to put a beeper to feel cool. It didn't even work. It didn't no even work. But my friend, because I wanted to be like everyone else. Yeah. You know, because that peer pressure is real. For those of you that are young that might be listening to this show, don't smoke until you're old enough. Number one. 
If you're going to smoke anything on this earth, smoke a cigar. Fuck weed. Fuck cigarettes. Fuck hookah. Fuck all that. This is the least harmful yes. thing to you. Yes. And it, it's, yes. it's actually, it'll teach you how to be a fucking man. Yes. Facts. Tell him back. Tell him. No, I even told my own kid. I said, I don't want you to do anything. But if you're going to do anything, this is what you're going to do. I can live with that. Everything Ugh. else is going to destroy your life, man. I, it took me forever to quit cigarettes. It took me forever. How long forever? To the man Make the story short. That's how I got the nickname. Right? So I got to ask you did, you, did you look at your beeper like it was real? No, my father, I didn't have that beeper. <laughs> you start for more checking than, it like I this? I think I had that beeper for about <laughs> five days. My father found it in my book bag. I woke up with him smashing it on my fucking head. Oh, damn. You are a drug dealer. I'm like, Dad, I'm in eighth grade. Like, you are selling drugs. I said, no, I'm not. He has like a broken accent. I thought he literally, originally... it was a little plastic thing, right? Yeah. He literally smashed my fucking head. He broke the people in my head. Probably made you a better man for it. Yeah. Huh? Probably made you a better man for it. I mean, there wasn't even connected. What was I going to beep? I couldn't even <laughs> Yeah, that's so, I'll say I'd probably just start checking it. There's nobody ringing. Because I originally chatting. thought your name, Beck Lover, I'm think, I think Ed Lover. So if you're not from New York City. I think that's, I, I, if I had to guess, I think that's what my brother was probably trying to reference, right? That's what I think. He was on the radio, he was on MTV, all that it's stuff. It's a great nickname. And, and the, the important part is that everybody thinks, some people think that you gave it to yourself. It's like, listen, you, you need, can't give yourself a nickname. No. I, it was given to me years ago. Great nickname. Love it. It stuck with me throughout high school. I love it. And then what happened? I started wearing suits in public school. So I hold, dropped the whole fucking baggy pants shit. Overnight. And I don't know. I put on a suit. I'm like, and I, my grandfather was a manly man, man. May he rest in peace too. This guy fought against the fucking communists in the mountains of Albania. He's the great grandson of a national. My, my great great grandfather's statue literally stands in every corner in Albania. He's the equivalent of the Albanian Braveheart. Literally. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. He's probably the second or third most important historical figure in Albanian history. Wow. So coming from Shit. that bloodline, the communists overran my family. My grandfather came to this country with nothing, man. He came and started in the fucking Bronx, Jerome Avenue. <laughs> Horrific fucking place to start. The Bronx was burning. Everyone was leaving. And he had, you know, all these children. None of them could even speak fucking English. And he died a millionaire, bro. A multi-millionaire. What was he doing? What did he do? He started as... He was a super in his own building. And when the Bronx was burning, all the landlords were like... And not to be you know, racist, these are not my terms. I'm giving you the real history. They call it the term Jewish lightning, right? All the Jewish landlords, quote-unquote, lightning struck their building. The building went on fire. They were burning their fucking buildings. So what happened historically was... And this is where all that racial tension comes from that has nothing to do with the Albanians, by the way. We just caught a lot of heat from it because we look Italian. We sound Italian, but we're not Italian. Quick. A lot of certain ethnic groups moved out. The Irish left. A lot of the Italians left. A lot of the Jews left. All these people left. We were the people fucking cleaning cleaning the hallways of the buildings. And a building that was like a million bucks went down to nothing. You could get it for... So my grandfather ended up buying the fucking building that he swept the, the streets with. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, but here's the thing. At that time, that was looked at like committing suicide. You were a fucking fool. To buy those buildings. Because you're buying buildings in neighborhoods that are deteriorating completely. Study the history of the 60s. I don't know how this hasn't been made into a show. I've spoken to a few Hollywood producers. I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. No one told the real story of the Bronx burning. It would be an amazing fucking series. Right? It was considered stupid to buy those buildings. And really, at that point, I still wonder why they did it. But there was also that. These guys came from like hell, bro. Like these, that that first wave of immigrants, like most immigrants, when they're coming, it's because of something happened back yeah. home. Yeah, something horrible happened. Yeah, it's my, it's my my family came over. So whatever you saw, 
back home couldn't be worse than what you're about to go against. Like for them, it was like, okay, oh, yeah, Bronx, like walk in the park. Oh yeah, yeah, racial fucking wars, this and that, gangs. So this is a joke. But we just fucking. Oh yeah. They just burned my entire family down, village down, hung my grandmother, hung. This fuck these people. Yeah, it's a walk in this the fucking America, park. This is America. This is Disney World. Yeah. So what happened was they started buying the buildings that everyone didn't want. But then there's another problem. They can't get insurance on the buildings. Now, you don't get insurance within a certain amount of time. The mortgage yeah, default. I'm not going to say if it was my grandfather. I'm not going to say if it's anyone in my family. All I know is that they were trying to get insurance. And the insurance agents wouldn't write the policies. Literally put a loaded gun in his mouth. Told the insurance agent, listen to me. I understand why you don't want to write this. I'm about to lose everything I've ever had. Write this policy. I give you my word on everything on earth. I will not burn my building down. Because they wouldn't give you insurance. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Because that's so what they much were doing. They, they give you the insurance. You'd light a match and then you... He gave the insurance agent something called Besa. In Albanian, Besa. It means the oath. And the Albanian culture, unfortunately, is it's disappearing. There's not many left that operate by this. Has nothing to do with organized crime. I want to clarify this. People watch my videos, they think it's about organized crime. No, no. It's literally every fucking Albanian on earth lived by this code. I give you my word. If you gave someone your word and you broke your word, you were like banned. You were you garbage. Were a fucking yeah. bitch. You were a bitch if you broke your word. He gave this non Albanian. Not all he gave him as like I give you is my that, word. Is that uh is that very uncommon for an Albanian to give a non Albanian? No their word. When an Albanian gives their word, if they're a true Albanian, does not matter. Doesn't matter. Like it's not like from one Albanian to another. It's just anyone. Anybody, if they give you their word, their they word to, is like it's it, basically they have to like die sign, if they break it's it. It's like though. signing in blood. Like you're yeah. you you are like it's in, like there would be like if you broke the word, like the men of many families would come together and then you would say, I he gave the word. Did you give the word? Yeah, yeah. okay, boom. Either you do what you're supposed to do. Or you have nothing to do with any of us anymore. You're but you know, that, but wow. that's what, like, that's wow. what it should be. And a lot of people nowadays just, don't look like it should just be like, listen, I tell you that I'm going to do something, and I'm going to fucking do it. Okay? No, you know what the problem like, is? People don't, people don't do believe that in God, nowadays. bro. See, if you believe in God, you know the only witness you need is the one above the heavens and earth. You Amen. can even God says, like, if you study Christianity, Islam, even Islam in the Quran, it says write down when you do business, right? Because even God knows people forget and people are stupid. Mm-hmm. But if you have any honor. You should already know. But see, the problem mm-hmm. is people don't believe in God, though. People don't believe in any consequences. There's nothing else after this. this. I think this is why the world is where it is. He gives, he tells the insurance agent, I give you my word. We will not burn our building. Not only will I not burn my building. Once you trust me, I will bring you every other Albanian we have. And sure enough, he wrote the contract. <laughs> I'm thinking with a pistol as fuck. He wrote the contract, never burned the building. All the other Albanians, he brought them. They did all mm-hmm. of their none of those buildings ever burned. Even to this day, they still all own them. And that's how the Albanians got their foothold into the Bronx. It wasn't through crime. And that was in the sixties and the seventies. Sixties and the seventies when everyone left. Everyone to, and, and no offense, we we brought the Bronx back on that aspect. <coughs> everyone left those neighborhoods, bro. Everyone went to the you know, Riverdale the night. Like they mm-hmm. left us in the fucking jungle. It was a fucking war zone, bro. And sometimes too, like. There's like this love-hate relationship sometimes between Italians and Albanians. And I want to clarify it for the fucking record if I can. Let's hear it. Albanians and Italians actually have a tremendous amount of history that they share. That they, I don't think a lot of them know. First of all, during the Roman Empire, we were the only ones that had our own province within the Roman Empire. A lot of the popes can trace their lineage to us. This is all... I can prove all of it. This is not just my words. There's been a lot of lineage, right? right? Yeah. There was a lot of back and forth. Remember, we're talking about the old world. We're not talking about 100 years ago. So 
to make it short, forget all the Roman stuff. In the 1400s, our national hero stopped the Ottoman Empire from conquering all of Italy. He held them off in Albania. That's why he's a saint. When you go to Rome, look it up. I'm not making this shit up. I've been there. I've fucking seen the statue. By accident, actually. I was renting a fucking car. By the way, if you ever go to like right. like like normal people, normal American children, like it's spring break, let's go to Miami. Fuck that. My stupid ass, I went to Rome. Rent a car. I don't know. Listen, you need to ask for insurance in Rome. Like Italy, like unless you ask for insurance, I don't think your car is covered. I did not learn it the hard way, thank God. I didn't know how to drive stick shift. I rent a fucking <laughs> da- I rented a Dao. They stopped making those fucking things, at least He's in America. Yo, but in, in Rome, that car was sick. Huge, though. Too big. Leather seats. I'm playing fucking Nas. Hell I got yeah. it like that. I made it like that. <laughs> Everybody's I, watching, go. like, who the fuck? I'm, I'm buying all these Italian suits. I'm cruising. The streets in Rome are, are tight, some of them. And I don't know how to drive stick shift, bro. The car's stalling. I stall on the fucking train tracks above ground. Like, crazy shit, right? I parked the car. I got lost two Gets hours. Gets out, kiss, says a prayer, kisses the ground. One of the most amazing <laughs> trips of my life, though. I cried when I left the first time. But I got lost two hours. How old were you? How old when you went there? I was 18. I was 19. 9-11 had just happened. Wow. And I, I told you, I was under underneath the World Trade Center when it got hit. Yeah, yeah I, I want to get, yeah, get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. And I ended up going that that spring to, to, to Rome. So make the story short, Piazza de Albanese. It's in the middle of Rome. When I was picking up the rental car, I see this glass pyramid and I see a statue of our national hero. I'm like, that looks like St. George. Yeah. What the fuck would he be doing in Italy? I didn't really know the history yeah. yet. I didn't know the history. I knew he had gone to Italy, made a saint by the Catholic Church, but I didn't know why. Sure enough, I go, look, so George, George Ricasti. I'm like, it's fucking him. What the fuck is this statue doing here? Google it. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing here? Then I dig in. I do the history. So basically, he holds off the Ottoman Empire, crosses over Italy with... Albanian warriors, I think he repelled the French from conquering the Vatican or some shit. They made him a saint. They said, this fucking guy, no one can stop him, and no one could. Eventually, the Ottoman Empire conquered Albania, and then Italy, out of kindness, said, yo, you guys saved us, you helped us, take all this land. And guess where they gave us land? This is where the whole rivalry starts. They gave us a shitload of land in Calabria, and they gave us a shitload of land in Sicily. Wow. Now, traditionally, where's most of the criminal and all that shit? Not that's not the yeah. and that's something I don't glorify that shit. My podcast, I had a few people on. That's not what my show was ever about. The comeback team, for those of you that don't know it, we're a show that showcase people what they've been through, their crazy lives, and how they made comebacks or how to try to better their life now. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what they've done, mm-hmm. I'm not there to judge. I'm just there to tell their story. Doesn't mean I like them or agree with them or any of that shit. No, it's just a platform for them to tell their story. Yep. You know, and everyone thinks, I'm like, my friend, I did two or three of those stories and that's it for me. I don't, I want to give people a taste of that. I don't, that's not what my fucking show is about. Yeah. I had, I had Carol Baskin on my show. I saw that. Okay. I've had Havoc of Mob Deep. I've had amazing people on there. But what I'm saying is some people on the comments, they think like I'm trying to like propagate Albanians are better than Italian. No, there's been a lot of fucking friendship there. The new generation, I don't know. But listen, so, you know. That's kind of how it happened. But again, just to clarify for the record, there's always been, brother, half my fucking boys are Italian. My family, when they first came, my grandfather worked for Italians. It's just the way it is, bro. And they went through it. When the Italians came, they went through it. We didn't go through. It was bad when we came. We didn't go through anything compared to what the Italians and the Irish went through when they first came to America. They were treated like fucking subhuman slime. That's a fact. So, you know, we're fortunate we came later in history, but... 
believe me, those of us that know, know. So get educated. And a lot of Italians, right? We worked in their restaurants when we first came. We learned. Then they said, okay, you know what? We're moving up in life. We're becoming doctors. We're becoming lawyers. They started melting into the melting pots. We bought those pizzerias. We bought those catering halls. We bought. Mm-hmm. They moved up. I'm out. You worked for me 30 years. You want it. I have the money saved. There's, Here, there's you a know. lot of Albanians on Arthur Avenue, right? Yeah. Because I, I forgot I was talking to, but someone was like, yeah. Still a lot of Italians, too. And uh, they're like, yeah. Ar- you know, the Albanians it's still called Little Italy, but it's also like Little Albania. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, they hang out in the cafes. Yeah. Like you said. Uh, an uneducated yeah, person or someone yeah, people are not. well you know what it is people, on, people online want to instigate shit this not listen that's stuff in the criminal world I'm talking about regular everyday Albanians everyday Italians we've always gotten along we always will get along period born born in America yeah, first generation first generation what happened during 9-11 how what was that situation you were there so I went to Pace University yes okay I read that and you know I lived I lived in Jersey I would take the you know, the bus into the Port Authority and then right below the Port Authority is the subway. You yeah. take the E train or the A train, depending on the day. So I took, you know, I took the E train, last stop World Trade Center. I was on the last fucking subway that ever probably probably ever went into the World Trade Center. I the doors open, there's people screaming, yelling, like, what the fuck? I didn't think the buildings are on fire and bubbles. I look up and I'm like, Did we get hit by missiles? Like I don't know fucking planes hit. I'm like, it's bombs like that. That looks like missiles, man. Like I had no fucking idea why. So were were both were both of them struck at this point? Yeah, both were both on fire. Of them. and both was, they, they haven't came down yet, right? No, not even close. So you just see. You I just, never thought they were going to go down. I just took it. That there's a shitload of people dead on those floors. I get to the front of Pace University, see some of the people I know out there. I'm looking for the person that I'm dating at the time. Phones ain't working. Make the story short. Find them. Start walking over the Brooklyn Bridge because I have this bad feeling inside. Still don't know the villains are going to fall. Never even imagined. Yeah, you're just like, I need to get out of here. We need to get her. She's trying. She saw everything happen. She's traumatized. She's my priority. Let me get her the fuck out of here. Yeah. I head over. The bridge is right next to Pace University. You can literally, it's one block you cross. I've never walked over the Brooklyn Bridge, only that day. Even to this day, I've never done it again. Wow. I get halfway over that bridge. It became a human walkway at that point. Everybody. Yeah, everybody's trying to get All the firefighters, though. Like, traffic's no longer going. Everyone's going in this way towards Manhattan. And that's an amazing thing, too, is you're seeing, like, you saw it firsthand where. And people don't appreciate this is you see all of the um, civilians walk in one direction and all of the firefighters and the EMTs and yeah. The, yeah, everybody the is walking the other direction. And you're like, you're, you're the, watching the them. Police. Police. Every, Port Authority. Everybody's walking. You know, they were black cops. They were brown cops. They were matter. white cops. They were Chinese cops. They were Korean cops. And see, that's that, like you know, after that happened. The unity, u- right. the unity that yeah. was in this country was unbelievable because it didn't matter because it was an attack on the entire country. Yeah, like you think that people, that, you think they gave a shit if you were black, white, brown, gay, lesbian, straight, transvestite, if you believed in, if you were Catholic, if you were Muslim, you think they gave a shit? They just right into the building. So at that moment, after that, the the unity that we felt in this country was unmatched. You'll never, I don't think we'll ever see it again. It was unmatched. Never. And to see yeah. all of the people, that's why I have such respect for for firefighters, for for the uh, police officers. Listen, for there's rotten apples, hundred percent in everything. They've done some fucked up shit in every. In I've every met industry. some of the most corrupt people in the world who were cops at one point, and they talk about it. So there's no exception to any profession. No, in every in every industry, there's but overall, be overall, everywhere. overall, most cops are putting their life at risk to, to keep you alive. Yeah. Right they now, run though, towards the danger while everybody else is trying to flee. I've seen it, it firsthand. Bro. That's what I'm saying. You saw it firsthand as you're walking across to try to get to safety, and they're all going halfway in. over that bridge. 
when I get past the first like you know triangular part, you know where the yeah joints are, I feel the fucking earth rumble, bro. I'm like everyone's oh, you think everyone. it's an earthquake? Yeah, and I it's... look back, I see that first one come down, bro. I couldn't fucking believe it, bro. You're like frozen, frozen, and I just start crying, bro. Yeah, not out of fear, just out of like, yo, this is the end of the world, bro. This is World War Three. Wow, and at one split second, I'm like, man, this is maybe what my family felt when when the war started. They couldn't believe like war is actually here. Mm-hmm. But, like these are the thoughts that go through your mind. People trying to trample each other and shit, trying to get off the bridge. We're hearing planes everywhere. No one knows what the fuck is going on, man. I knew at this point planes had hit, but still didn't understand why. Yeah. And we're, we're locking arms. We're like trying to calm everyone down. Some lady drops in front of me. My husband's in there. I said, you don't know that. I said, get up. It ain't over yet. But now the fucking cloud's coming, right? Thank God that cloud didn't hit me, man. If I didn't leave when I left, I would have inhaled whatever the fuck is killing everybody right now. Yeah. They just announced on the news yesterday a couple more cops died from... Sorry, firefighters yeah. now died from the 9-11 related illnesses. Mm-hmm. I get halfway over as I'm getting over the bridge. That cloud, it never got me, bro. Thank God, bro. I never breathed any of that shit in except what I breathed in after I went back to school two weeks later. When they lied to us, this is look it up, EPA, Christine Todd Whitman, when they told us the air was safe. Yeah, no. An agency that was supposed to protect our health and protect the environment, tell us if we're in danger. They told us, the all clear, you're good to go. Don't worry about that that burning metal smell. Put the machines back on on Wall Street. You kids, get back to school at Pace University. You kids at BMCC, Borough of Manhattan Community College, get back to school on Chamber Street. Don't worry about it. That smell, you guys are good. So you I went back to school two weeks later after that. Yeah, a lot of my school dropped out. I, and that, that's, that's, that's I should have worn a mask back then. That, that works smoke for that. And, and, and that works for that. Yeah, yeah. No and that smoke stuck around for like months. Bro, months. Oh, yeah, it was lingering. Months. I... Let a walk out of my college. Those that went to Pace during 2001, remember, I let a walk out. I had a meeting with the president, Caputo. The EPA came in. They reassured us, don't worry. Stop this walk out. You're doing it for no reason. I said, you guys are sure? You got HEPA filters throughout the college. You guys are good. Well, technically today, if I want to file for a fucking claim, I probably get like forty dollars or $50,000 from the 9-11 fund. Mm-hmm. Why does that multi-billion dollar fund exist when this agency that was supposed to be protecting our health just change the initials shit. to whatever it was three years ago. Could be a different one, right? Could be a different a, agency. They fucking lied to us. Because it's a fucking business. That's why. Okay. So it's the bottom those dollar. Those of you that are so gullible, yeah. learn from my history. They promised us we would be safe. Don't worry. Go to school. The air is safe. So many are dying of cancer. More people have died from this, trusting them, than died in the World Trade Center. More people died breathing in the toxins after 9-11 when we were told by them that we're safe. By our own government. Then died in the World Trade Center. Now, what do you want to say to me? Oh, why don't you trust? Why don't you just put this in your body? Just keep that on your face for the rest of your life. Fuck you. I've already been lied to. That's why I see it goes back to it goes back to educating yourself. If you do your own little research, you can make a decision for yourself. But most people don't want to what I like to call critical think. They don't want to think for themselves. They just want to be told what to do because they're fucking sheeple. And they, they just go, ah, t- just turn the TV on. Tell me what it's I need. Unbelievable. You know, this <clears throat> we're watching TV, right? So in the morning, we turn the, turn the TV on. And we just like to watch. I mean, my fiance likes to watch some of the news. She does one, one run while she's doing her morning calendar and everything. It's more like background noise, right? But it gets, it gets, the American people have gotten so dumb that they have to tell you what to wear. Uh, they show you what is, what the weather is, and they say, okay, <laughs> it's going to be 60 degrees and raining. And then yep. they have a graph that says you got to wear rain boots, a, a raincoat. And 
I said, how dumb do you have to be that you need to be told what... It's called go the fuck outside and find out what the weather is and then put clothes on. Like, you really need to be told what to wear. It's because people don't want to think for themselves. They want to go through life like a bunch of sheeple and they just want to... like. They, they want to consume. Bro. Yeah, they just want to consume. They I want people. Like it goes back to just trusting your gut. If you don't feel like it's right, like you said, you you yeah. walk back and you you create a walkout on your school saying, "This is not right." Like, does it make sense? Yeah, this, this shit is happening over here, and I can't really breathe well, and it doesn't look too good. Why is everyone else saying it's okay? It doesn't feel right to me. Right. I don't feel like most people go against their gut because it's going against the grain, and they don't want to hear like people oh, don't want to uh, be uncomfortable. Listen, to do what's yeah. right is not easy. In right. Life. Yeah. A lot of times you're going to be standing alone. If it was, everybody would be doing it. A lot of times you're going to be standing alone, my friend, in this life. And, you know, the older you get, I think, you know, like I said, turning 40 years old, for me, when I look back, it's like, man, the saddest part of turning 40 is how many people I either lost because they passed away or I lost because they killed the relationship that we had. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. haven't changed that much, man. I mean, I've gotten a little wiser. I've made many mistakes in my life. But for the most part, I'm the same motherfucker I was 20 years ago. That aspect. Of being loyal, friends, outgoing, generous, all this other shit. Eventually, man, you can't always just be a giver. I'm thinking maybe I change my name to Beck Hater for the next time. <laughs> because no, I'm serious. This lover's shit is like, I had a hard time saying no to people, man. I feel but No that. more. I got kids. I spent a lot of fucking time. You know, people think, oh, because you introduced them to someone, like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. No, it was a big deal, motherfucker. Let me tell you why it was a big deal. Because I spent a lot of fucking time and money and hours developing relationships it took me years to create the network that i have no one gave me a penny i would burn my paycheck to go out to be in scenes and clubs and this and that i spent millions of dollars literally millions of dollars entertaining and dining and taking people and flying so that yeah i make it look easy because i i give you a connection but you don't know how to reciprocate i gotta ask you i shouldn't have to ask you if i'm doing you a favor say hey no matter what you do i'm giving you 10 percent man that's the way I am. Yeah. You did a fucking thing. Without you even asking, that envelope's coming. Because I know that nothing comes easy. Nothing comes free. People just want you to share your network. Fuck you. My network. It, I've shared it up until now. On my 40th birthday, I didn't celebrate, but my friends brought out a cake. My friends that knew it was my birthday. I told them not to. And I sat there at dinner. I was at Ben and Jack's Steakhouse. Love that place. And I made a wish. And my wish was... Be more selfish. Learn how to say no. But my brother, God rest his soul, the first club he put me on to was Lot 61. It was a legendary lounge in the art district of Manhattan where all the galleries are. It was on 21st Street in the West Side Highway. Right now, there's a fucking crater there. They knocked the building down. I see it when I'm driving on the West Side Highway. I'm like, man, did it, did it even exist? My brother had gotten me into that club once, and I knew I couldn't get back in without him. So I made sure I became like really friendly with the bouncers that night. And I kept hanging out outside, talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm coming back tomorrow. And the day after. And I literally started going to that club seven days a week while I was in college. Just just to be just able so to. So I couldn't lose the juice. I can go right yeah. back in. So, so they never yeah. ID'd me. Again. After about six months, every promoter in there knew me. I had maxed out my credit cards like a fucking moron. And I started to make a little bit of a name for myself. And the promoters come to me and they go, yo, you know that. You know, we have other parties, right? Like, you come to Eugene's. You can come to Sweet Sixteens. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, guys, I got a confession to make. Remember, I'm wearing three-piece suits at this time. None of them would ever even imagine that I'm not at least 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, um, shout out Richie Romero, Chris Willard, 
one of the most legendary doormen in the world. Rich, Richie Romero is still holding down the city. Um, back then, he was a promoter. Now, he, he, he owns places like Nebula, Zazie's Pizza. He just opened up a strip club on the, on the west side of Manhattan. He's fucking everywhere. And I go, I'm not old enough. They go, well, you sure fucking handle yourself pretty well. And a lot of times when these Albanians are getting out of hand, because I would keep the Albanians calm yeah. in the nightclubs. I'm like, yo, guys, take it fucking easy. Like, there's chicks here. Like, let's have some fucking fun. Like, like, Relax. Enough with this fucking, <laughs> fucking Relax. kill everyone and fucking beat everyone up. Like, let's be just a gentleman. Like, yeah, I'm like, I want to have like When I went out, bro, I was the best drunk in the world. I don't even drink no more. But when I did drink, it was not those Equis because it didn't even exist back then. I, I, maybe it did. I don't know. But I was never a beer guy because I love vodka. And I was exposed to vodka. And now it's like tequila's everything. Everyone's just drinking tequila. To me, it's boggled my mind how vodka's not number one no more. It's fucking crazy. But I guess it goes with marketing, right? Yeah. Like everything yeah. else. So is is vodka um still number two though? Strong. No, is is vodka like uh is that big in Albania? Is that what Albanians drink is vodka? They do. Okay. I drank vodka like fucking water, bro. Like I had no problem drinking it. And oh, if you have a good if you have a good vodka, it I goes down do, like I can't do vodka. I yeah, loved it, bro. It makes some people aggressive. Me, man, I would fucking dance all night, bro. I didn't want to fucking lose. You're a, ha- you're a happy drunk. I danced a lot, bro. That's kind of like how I started getting invited to all these parties. I would, you know, my, my signature move was I'd put a fucking full glass of vodka on my head and dance with it. I think I've seen a, a lot of Albanians do that. that. Yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen a video and do that. <laughs> I would fucking go like this, drink it, put it back. And I'm talking about doing turns, dropping on the floor. That fucking glass wouldn't move. <laughs> And everyone's like, this guy's fucking great. And like, I just would dance and have fun and fucking, you know. Then I'm like, wait, I'm spending so much fucking money doing this. What the fuck am I doing? So like, dude, why? Like, you know, like everyone's calling me for tables. Everyone's calling me if I'm out. I'm like, I should start fucking making money on this. I'm like, how much you pay per table? 10%. I said, okay. And back then, bottles were cheap, man. Yeah, now it's fucking 250 bucks, which looked like a lot back then. Listen, I used to buy in the beginning because. You know, I'm still in college. I wasn't making as much money back then. You know, they had bottle minimums. They, they weren't smart enough to figure out that, you know, price all your bottles expensively. So Moet was cheap back then. You, you'd buy a bottle of Moet for 85, tops 100 bucks. So they say two bottle minimum, no problem. I was buy two bottles of Moet, 200, 230 bucks. I know I got my table. And that's it. Now, that same bottle of Moet, six, seven hundred bucks. Yeah, easily. Son. Easily. Crazy. Because yeah. you're not paying for the bottle of Manhattan. Right. You're paying for the real estate. You're paying for the experience. Yeah. You're paying okay. for that, for the people to bring you the bottle service, and you're paying for the, oh, shit, he's got a table. You you, you pay for... You're paying for the experience. Yeah. yeah. My buddy my buddy that, that ran a restaurant in, in Manhattan, ran Lavo Restaurant and Nightclub, he said... The markup on bottles is ridiculous. It has to be that. He goes, bottle of absolute. Bottle of absolute, which is like bucks, reg- a regular bottle of vodka. No high end, not Grey Goose, not like Kettle. Absolute. Buy that in a store for what? 30 bucks? So the restaurant's going to get it for maybe 20 Because they sell it for three, four, five hundred. He goes, the You're not mark- finding a bottle of vodka under 500 He goes, the markup club. is ridiculous. You want to get a bottle it's really like- more like six, 700 It's Damn. stupid. For the, for, the, for the cheap shit, for like the, just, the, just the, the cheapest bottle on the menu might be 450 if you're lucky. If you're lucky. And it's probably a bottle of cheap champagne. It's probably a bottle of Corbell. It's not even so like good crazy. shit. This girl, Victoria, you know, she comes up to me. She was Russian girl, pretty girl. She's like, Beck, I heard you have pool at Last 61. Last 61 was a legendary nightclub. Amy Sacco was one of the queens of nightlife, legend of nightlife. She owned Lot 61, and she went on to open up a place called Bungalow 8. Bungalow 8 was mentioned in songs. You go look back at the old press. 
Where was Mongolia? Everyone partied there. It was also in the 20s, somewhere over there. On the Okay. I forgot the exact street. I don't know if it was 26 or something. Doesn't matter. It was also there on the west yeah. side, right towards the west side highway, not too far um, away from there. And every the hottest night in New York back then, but I'm talking about from 2000 to 2006, was Monday nights, bro. It wasn't fucking Friday, Saturday. It was fucking Monday. Monday was industry night, man. You went out. It was always celebrities, models, fucking anyone that's a fucking degenerate. Anyone that doesn't really have to work. All yeah. the people that work in the service industry that are usually hot. Cocktail girls. Yeah, they have strippers. off on Tuesday, yeah. so they go out on Monday. Yeah, they're off Monday, too, so they all go out. And they, yeah. they would be the best fucking parties. Like, you know, you'd go to Bungalow 8. You'd go to Last 61. You'd go to China Club, the Morsi Brothers, who held that down for a long time. So, you know, New York City nightlife has really changed completely. And at that time period, unfortunately, my my prime, I call it, when I was partying, the music went away from house music. But getting back to Victoria. So she tells me, yo, can you get me into Last 61? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. She's like, why do we have to go to Last 61 tonight? It's a Tuesday. She's like, you don't understand. She goes, it's Busta Rhymes' birthday. Puff Daddy's releasing an album called We Invented the Remix. I work for this jeweler. His name's Jacob. And he hired me to hand out his business cards to all the rappers. So they come back to his gallery. And whatever they buy, I get 10%. I remember getting to the front of Last 61. I knew the manager. Shout out to Bin if you're watching this, he lets me in. I'm still underage at this point. Yeah. But a G, three-piece suit. I gentleman. Walk in, gentleman. I walk in, and as soon as I walk in, it's like, this is what I'm thinking. I'm, like, I'm going to be a big fucking movie star one day. Look at me. <laughs> I get inside this place, and it's the fucking who's who of hip-hop in the early 2000s. Buster Rhymes had his ponytail like down to his fucking legs. Hell yeah. Oh, wow. Puff Daddy's dancing on the table. Back then, he was daddy turning into Diddy. He's dancing on the table with these ladies. Black Rob's in there, cash money, like every fucking rapper on earth. 112, everyone's in there. Damn. And here I am, this fucking 19-year-old, 18-year-old or 20-year-old, whatever age it was at that time, punk. I'm like, yo, I'm going to make it big in life. <laughs> make the story short, I end up buying a bottle of Moet so I could afford. She's doing her thing, walking around the room. I see her go up to Puffy. She gives her card. She ends up hanging out at the table all night. I'm hanging out with Black Rob. He's not in a good mood. God rest his soul. Just Black away. Rob, yeah. Like, whoa. Remember, this is before Google. This is before MTV. I wasn't really watching TV during college. I was too busy trying to do other things. Like, <laughs> I didn't care about TV. or I didn't want to be inside one minute. I wanted to be outside every second. I had the worst FOMO in the fucking world. For those of you that don't know what FOMO is, fear of missing out. I wanted to be out and about every moment, every second, meeting people, networking, I, it was the thing I loved the most about life. It was meeting people, man. And, you know, I'm not going to say what Black Rob said to me that night. Let's just say he wasn't a happy camper. I was like, yo, why? He's like, yo, fuck this motherfucker. I mean, he's talking mad shit about someone we all know. And he's like, I can't make no money. He was just oh, okay. talking a lot of crazy shit. Okay. And I'm like, who are you? He's like, you know that song? Like, well, I'm like, yo, that's fucking you. He's like, yeah. I was like, yo, I fucking love you. Yo, I pour him champagne. I'm like, yo, I'm going to make it in life, yo. <laughs> was not the case from that aspect like you know I used to roll around with, with a lot of these hip hop artists at one point when I was younger I thought oh, I'm gonna make it but until I got exposed to shit I didn't want to get exposed to almost had my life I almost lost my life at one point hanging out with a certain rap group no need to bring that up crazy fucking shit in the nightlife make the story short I'm in front of Pace one day Vicky comes up that was her nickname she's like Beck oh my god thank you I'm like, what? She's like, you don't understand. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? She's like, Puffy, he came. 
he bought his first piece from Jacob, and he's bringing the cameras from MTV next week. He's going to put them on. You know, then all you heard this motherfucker's name everywhere. Yeah, Jacob the Jeweler. Everywhere in every fucking song. Him and this. I'm like, damn. I don't even have That I was me. <laughs> I, I still don't have a Jacob watch. You owe me a watch, motherfucker. I know he saw my story. I, I've, does, I've, he, I, does he know now that you were the one to... Well, this is the second time. If you see this clip, I know he saw one of my stories. I posted, tagged him. He looked at it. I'm the one, Jacob. I'm Forrest Gump. Did I work for you? No. Did I do a favor for the person that worked for you? Yes. Should you give me a fucking watch if you're really a true G and a gentleman? I'm the motherfucker that got you puffy. By accident. Not intentionally. Actually, no, it, to be honest, it wasn't like by, it, no, by accident. It wasn't by accident. It well, wasn't. I didn't want to let this pretty girl down either. No, it right? wasn't because she asked him to get him in. And, and I got her in. And, and I lost a friend tonight. You know who's my witness? Corey Shavlosky. We didn't talk for a while after that. He got. I couldn't get him in. I'm at the door. My, the, my boy that's inside, he managed the club. He's like, I can get you too. I can't get him. And you could not move in there. Mm-hmm. And there was like 800 people outside, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you, but like you, knew, you knew that Puff was going to be there. Because of her. Right. So it's not like you indirectly said, oh, you know, I got – no. She asked you and said, I have a friend that's Jake that's a jeweler and you need to get me in because Puff is there. So you knew every what you were doing. You knew why you were getting – that, that that album. On the, the album had just, that's why every time I hear that music, I, you know, it still brings back a lot of nostalgia. Because if she it didn't say that, Jacob if she didn't say that, then you wouldn't have got – you would have went to some other club. But he just because she said, J-Lo, yeah. I need a girl to ride, ride, ride. That, that's that album, right? <laughs> and my favorite song on that album was Special Delivery. Yo, Special Ooh, Delivery. Hell yeah. That. Hell special yeah. Delivery. I need that, right? So this whole thing, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to make it in life, bro. I'm gonna be a billionaire. So, so I want to hear this story because we're what are we hour and fifteen? I know, I know you got to get going before seven. So I want to hear this. Uh, this you, story. What do you think of the cigar so far? It's good. It's good. He's like, I hate this motherfucker. No, it's really good. No, I'll no. tell you what I like about it. <laughs> I like the fact that it's Nicaraguan, but it doesn't sting or burn my throat or my mouth. So it's very smooth. Uh, it's burning pretty good. The draw is still good. We're almost halfway through. So I give it a really good score. Well, right. Thank you. And I know sure. it's it, it's it's always tough because could use a couple tweaks, maybe a little spice, a little whatever, maybe a little more of a kick. We'll Some probably like that. I mean, I we'll, you could put a Lajero in there. But is it a good cigar? Solid, a good smoke, a good draw? Yes. Well, thank you, Appreciate thank you. That. And it's always difficult I because I love this motherfucker. Because no, right, no, we're giving honest, like no, you're honest. you're in the spotlight, right? So you're telling all and it's these your first stories. fucking stick. So that's and impressive. It, it's very difficult. I feel and I have friends that have their own cigars. It's not easy. I find that it's very difficult, especially when we, you know, bring people in and, and give them a cigar. Is they're the ones in the spotlight and they're telling all of their stories. So it's you know we have a chance to sit back and smoke the cigar and listen to the stories. So as you know, like we're pretty much almost done. He's halfway through because you know he's doing all the talking and doesn't get a chance to like smoke the cigar as much. You got to we got we got a parting gift when you leave. Yeah, you we'll, we'll, we'll give you we'll, we'll hook you so up. So me. You know, when I first started my podcast, I made a lot of mistakes. I talked more than my guests. I was a fucking more. My, my, my fucking viewers made me better. They were like, shut the fuck up. We want to hear the guests. We don't want to hear you. Well, now I'm the guest, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. So but this is exactly what it is. Like, this is the, we like to give a platform, right? All about the whole show is to bring people together. But it's not fun over. when it's an interrogation. This is cool no, when you're talking. This is, this what, is way better. It's like, like you're here with us. You're, the, exactly. you're in the room with us, man. Exactly. You might not taste the smoke, but you can order yours at... He'll pop it up on the screen. Flying cigar. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is, I and I felt like that was the right format too, but you got to let your guests talk and I fucked up. And you guys are doing a phenomenal job as far as that's concerned. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. I got a big ass mouth. So, so no, I want I want, I to hear this. I want to hear this story about how cigars saved your life. Because mm. this has got to be it's a good story. story. 
I want to I want to hear this because this is you know, we, we, we so, are smoking cigars here. So tell to us. To kind of add to the whole nightlife stuff. So you know, eventually, like you know, I became one of the top promoters in New York. I consulted to some of the biggest nightclubs in, in the world. I own a, a hospitality company called Royal Group. I'm partners with my best friend Samir, and um, my brother ended up opening up a nightclub with his partner Mo, right in the heart of Times Square. It was the old float for those that know New York City. It was on 52nd Street between 8th and Broadway. So it was float, which was legendary before we bought it. That guy, I guess, you know, clubs only last so long. We took over, did a full renovation, opened up a place called Club Touch. Club Touch was right next to Jersey Boys, but one of the hottest blocks mm. in, in, in fucking Times Square. So what happened, you know, and for those that remember float, if you want to see what that place used to look like, you can go watch the Puff Daddy and Nas video. You can hate me now, but I won't stop. So that was filmed in the club that my brother really? purchased with his partner. I know exactly the video you're talking about. So now I got to take all this experience, and my brother owns one of the hottest nightclubs in New York City. 30,000 square feet, fucking three floors, epic location. And I get to use all the experience, all the contacts. I'm bringing my brother parties left and right. Obviously, I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's my brother's place. I'm making money hand over fist. I'm throwing parties once a week, once a month, fucking... One-offs. I'm doing Albanian. I'm doing any fucking party I can do, bro. I'm getting paid. I know I'm not going to get fucked. Nightlife is very grimy. It's very hard to meet people that are honest, that pay their promoters on time. It is very hard to be. People think the club owner has all the glory. It's not true. A lot of club owners don't even make as much money as their top promoters do. That's a fact. A lot of times you're walking into a nightclub and you're thinking, wow, this fucking place. But I can look at a club and tell you how organic it is in less than 30 seconds. I can walk into that room. And I can tell you if half those people are there because they want to be there or they're being paid to be there. Mm-hmm. And 95% of clubs in New York City, 70% of that room is promoters. They're being paid. They're filling the room. They're literally fillers. They're fucking yeah. actors. Yeah. They're not acting like they're young people that are just being paid because they look good to stand around and bring beautiful women with them and hang out. And they're all drinking for free waiting for the whales to come. Mm-hmm. So basically you're creating this environment. For that asshole that's going to come. And I'll say he's an asshole because he's a boss. Coming to the door saying, I want a fucking table. And that one table will literally pay for the entire fucking night. Because they'll spend 30, 40, 50, 100,000 yeah. dollars. So they'll pay 15, 20 grand for the promoters. But that one whale that comes in drops 100. You want to know you know, who's paying for the night? Literally, who's paying for everyone to drink for free? Because even if they're not getting drinks yeah. on that guy's table. If you're a promoter and you're with those girls... That whale that came in, those two or three tables are literally the reason why you fuckers are getting mm-hmm. the money you're getting. You're allowed to bring these girls in with you, drink for free, because most of you can't afford one fucking drink in a club. Most promoters can't afford a fucking drink in a club. And they do it because like, nobody wants to go to an empty club. But the right? difference between this what? generation and Studio 54 is that there was no fucking promoters back then. No, everybody went to the, to the You thumb. went yes. because you were who you are. To yeah. this day, their impact yeah. is felt throughout the world. Legends. The, the red rope is because of them. Mm-hmm. To this day, that red rope is because of there's them. There's a great, I'm sure you've seen it. Like, there's a great documentary about Studio 54 yeah. on Netflix. You know, and, and Ian Schrager's still out there. He designs the additional hotel. The guy did a deal with Marriott. The guy's a fucking genius. His designs are amazing. Shout you've out to Marriott. You've been to Public Hotel, right? I've never. In the city. There. I, I, haven't, I haven't. No, phenomenal I haven't place. Even if you just go with, you know. You Where with, is it again? It's on, uh, damn, I, my brain is so fried today, bro. Just general. It's right off. It's right off a of fucking Houston, man. It's over there. It's on. Okay, oh, so so it's downtown. It's downtown. Man. Yeah. Okay. It's downtown. It's like. Uh, Which, by the way, New York is. It's Houston. It's not Houston. Yeah. It's not Houston. Which I never Street. understood. It's Houston. Doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's Houston Street. But okay. it's spelled like Houston. Yeah. 
So okay, so cigar, so cigars. Uh, you open up this club, Club Touch. So hot, hottest spot. Two thousand thirteen. Right, life's beautiful. Making money, fun, celebrities, life, whatever. All this bullshit people dream of, they think is so fucking cool. Everything's going perfect in life, and then you know I lose my brother. Just I lose him in a car accident. In October, it'll be nine years. And it fucking devastates me. With all the horrible things I've been through in my life, war, 9-11, you know, just losing people, that one death was like all of those times a billion. There's knockdowns in life, and then there's knockouts. And this was a knockout because I completely was disoriented, completely. Someone that was so confident, someone that could speak, someone that had no fear, someone that was so public, not a celebrity as far as the world knows, we're getting there, though. But as lo- what you would call a local celebrity in the nightlife. The nightlife is a small world. We all know each other. So I went from I'm out every night of the week to I just fucking completely disappeared from the face of the fucking planet. I saw the reality. Friends, family, who was really there, who's not. I saw the dark side of life in a way I'd never seen it before. All these people, all these DJs I helped, all these people I thought were my friends. When really, they, in their minds, they thought, well, he's fucking done. Because that's all we want. I'm done. I'm retired. I'm done. I don't want to see a fucking nightclub. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be in parties. I went into basically a man cave in my townhouse. I bought an Xbox at that time. Um, I think it was the 360 at that time. came out. And I bought that Xbox just so I wouldn't lose my mind completely. I didn't even like playing video games at that phase of my life. I did when I was younger. And I sat in that cave and I started rotting. Withering away completely. In a cocoon. Completely just in agonizing fucking pain. Spiritually, emotionally. Crying myself to sleep. Fucking just everywhere is a reminder of him. I can't escape his ghost. Fucking, He was the king of the city. I was the prince. He was the king. And the king was gone. And I guess it's kind of symbolic with the whole royal family shit, right? Yeah, man, that sure. yeah. but, but, but fuck that. Like, you know, we're not vampires and shit. So shout out to the Prince of Albania, by the way. My family is very connected and a part of the royal family in Albania. That's a whole other fucking story. Maybe next time. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see the Prince of Albania follows me. Very good friend of mine. Sweetheart. Amazing history there. So... And I'm thinking, man, fuck, like, things are never going to get better, man. I'm like, holy shit, like, things are never going to get, like, I'm fucking devastated, man. I go into the corporate world to try to give my life some structure because I'm completely in a free form, man. I'm completely fucking, I'm wasting away, man. I'm Mm. fucking gone. Like, I'm, and it's not just me. My whole family's devastated. Everyone is in that same fucking, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend how as much as amazing as he was i couldn't imagine how one life could cause so much fucking damage even years later even to this day that 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 one life was like the glue could leave back because it was like an atomic bomb being released into my life my life has never been the same family relation everything the pain was so great man it's just people couldn't handle it and i go i just disappear from the world man and I remember going into a cigar lounge, Fort Lee, New Jersey, at the time. 
Main Street Cigar Room. Shout out to the Cigar Room family. They've now expanded the brand and they're opening fucking cigar lounges everywhere. Like you guys should come smoke sometime there. Um, they're very close with Carlito Fuente. That's how I met Carlito Fuente, all these guys. Jorge Padron, Dominican Bigley. I met like every fucking blender. And I remember just going in there. And I'm very young compared to the most of the people in cigar rooms, right? They're all in their like late 40s up to like 80. Mm-hmm. And at first, I didn't even talk, man. I couldn't talk. Someone that's so public always spoke. Like, even in my yearbook, it says most likely to have his own talk show. Well, that came true. Yeah. <laughs> it literally says that in my fucking book. Wow. Did you print that out and frame it? No. We'll get to <laughs> a million subs one day at my new show when it launches. But I remember just at first just going in there and not talking, which the good that came out of the death was learning how to be more like shut the fuck up and observe your surroundings and listen and not always be the one that has to talk or be the center of attention or, you know, it changed me forever in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I would just be quiet in the cigar room and just hear everyone like talking and it was like normal life. And I'm sitting there going, dude, look, everyone's normal life. These people have been through bad things. Like, so I start smoking a cigar every couple of days. I'd quit smoking cigarettes for a long time. It took me forever to quit smoking cigarettes. I'd say about a year after I quit smoking cigarettes is when I started smoking cigars and slowly going to the cigar club then they opened up a bigger one and then i start playing dominoes a little bit with the guys and i, I end up running into another friend shout out to Yatan, uh another fellow albanian promoter who did albanian events we were actually competition at one point we were always friendly competition but there was a little animosity there and we ended up becoming like he's one of my best friends today and uh, i love the motherfucker if he's watching it and a fucking sweetheart like it's always funny like until you get to know someone right that's why i never judge people until you really get to fucking know them and, you know, people talk shit. They spread rumors. He said this. They say, you don't know what the fuck is true. Me and this guy sat down. We'd be really closest of close. Like, we had, like one of my best friends today. We talk yeah. every day. At one point, we were fucking competition. And um, slowly through the cigar culture, really the term brother of the leaf, that social structure that you can only get in a cigar room, that people don't understand unless you're a part of it. And not just the one that you go to regularly. Anywhere I've gone in the world, when I've walked into a cigar room, the first place I go now, anywhere I go where it's unfamiliar territory, the first fucking place I walk to that I seek out is a cigar lounge. Because I know in that cigar lounge, by the time I finish this stick, anywhere between 40 minutes and two hours, I know within that conversation, I'm going to know everything that's going on in that area. I'm going to know who to go, where to go, where's the best restaurant. I'm going to make friends. And so many times cigar rooms have opened up doors for me that I don't think I would have gotten anywhere else. Those conversations are so, for the most part, authentic. Most cigar smokers are gentlemen and gentlewomen. They'll sit there. The whole point of it is not even the fucking smoke. Even though it's an art just to put one of these things together. To compare this to a cigarette is a crime. Because the love and the attention that goes into designing just one of these, no two are the same. The way they roll the hand, there's fucking human touch throughout the whole way. From the crop being planted to it's grown, to the love, to the nurture, to perfection, to drying, it's a rolling, it's a fucking getting it to you across the world. Don't compare this shit to cigarettes. Don't ever fucking compare this to cigarettes. Don't ever pass those fucking laws against this. This is a culture beyond belief. This is a culture that saved my life. Because through that, the cobweb started coming off. The conversation started flowing again. My mouth started working again. I wasn't talking like this voice when I was in my sorrow. And the the brotherhood 
the sisterhood of the cigar world, the conversations, the talking, that moment I start coming back to life, start being funny again, start being Beck lover again. Hmm. And through that devastation, where probably I should have really gone to see a shrink, probably should still go see a shrink, but instead of seeing a shrink, the cigar room kind of did for me sociologically. Absolutely. What I needed at that moment in my life when I was down most and trying to get back up, put my head above the water again, it it watered those components of my life that had died when my brother died and brought me back to life. Made me a social fucking animal again, motherfuckers. Let's go. Well, they say that, that we say it all the time is cigars are the cheapest form of therapy. That's it. And you can go to a shrink and you can pay him three, four, five hundred bucks an hour or you can go to a cigar room, get yourself a twenty, thirty dollar smoke. And sit there for just as long, if not longer. And you heard it here. Cigars bring you back to life. That's a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful story. I mean, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Because thank you for sharing that story with us. True story. You can't make this shit up, man. It's, I mean, you I, t- I don't even know what to say. I'm just. I mean, you could tell it comes from the heart. I mean, that was all conviction. That was all pain, experience. That must have been a roller coaster of emotion. No doubt. After I get back up. My whole life, I get tired of being told you should have a TV show. You should be on the radio. Even in my fucking yearbook from school, right? So this whole podcast thing, I slept on it for a while. And I'm like, you know what? Let's fucking do it. Let's use this pain. Let's use this experience. The way certain people help me get back up, I got to help someone get back up. I got to return that favor. So I start something called the comeback team. People think sports. No, it's not sports. Even though technically there's some of that in there, right? But it's that no matter what you've been through. Because sometimes you're not trying to get a better life. You just want to go back to kind of what normal looked like. When you've been through something that's so traumatic to lose a loved one, there's people that lose a whole family in a car accident. I mean, the horrors that are out there. I've met people, right, in my villages. They lost everyone. They lost their whole families. They were fucking executed. Their family was raped in front of them and killed, right? So someone can go to that point and still get through that. And still live and find meaning in life when so many people give up. And I've lost friends and family to suicide. I've lost people I care about that, that I didn't see the warning signs. You know, I've lost some people recently. During the pandemic, I lost quite a few. I watched one of my friends die on, on the whole world. The whole world, the video went viral. I'm not going to say the death. I don't want to bring the name up. Someone that I was cool with, I watched him die. Now, I'm watching the video and not realizing it's him because it was from far away until I read the article. I'm like, I just watched my fucking friend get killed. Suicide by cop, basically. I couldn't fucking believe it. A guy I would have never imagined. Well, something broke him. So when I started my show, I was like, if I can save, and I don't believe it's me that saves, it's God, right? That guides these people. I said, I'm going to bring stories. I'm going to bring people on my show. We're going to talk about the ups and downs of life. And we're going to inspire people that no matter what they've been through, to never give up. This show is still going to continue. I did one season, 85 episodes. It was exhausting. It was going great. Subscribers are going through the roof. The pandemic starts. All hell breaks loose. I get a little shadow banned. Right? But I refuse to give up on that. I'm making that seasonal now. I'm launching a new show, new handle. Going to be more like this. Everyday life. Fucking have fun. Bringing all these crazy people that I know. And I'm launching out of the world famous Comic Strip Live. uh, The epic comedy club uh, on the east side. Upper east side. Where Eddie Murphy got discovery. Jerry Sando. So I'm going to have my show out of there. Shout out to Gene Nardi and Tom and the whole comic strip family. I'm a little behind schedule there, waiting for parts, man, waiting for certain things, taking forever to get stuff. I should have been launched already. 
that's going to be more of a casual show. But for me, the comeback team, which is what the documentary is about, it's about literally everything I just mentioned. Have everything, lose my brother, nightlife, this and that, get back up, launch a podcast, pandemic starts, I drive cross country. Last summer, I drove to LA and back, stopping everywhere, meeting people that were on my show I couldn't meet in real life, telling some of their stories, my story of trying to get the show to the next level. And it's an epic, epic comeback story that kind of covers everything we spoke about, but a little bit more in detail. I'm hoping to try to finish it by the end of the year. And when does that come out? God willing, hopefully by the end of the year, early spring. 20 20 terabytes of footage, man. We know what what that's like. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking It's going to be narrated by me in the first person, and then there'll be secondary interviews. But the footage I have is fucking crazy. So you traveled across country to meet certain people and get the story? Certain people, and I basically go to look to see if I can meet this guy who can manage me. The guy that I ended up going after, his name's Paolo Moreno. He managed the Paul brothers for a very long time. Wow. He's been involved in companies like Fashion Nova, and he even at one point raised over a billion dollars on Wall Street. Smart dude, down-to-earth guy. I drive across country to meet him. I met him on an audio app, didn't know him in real life. Something in my heart tells me I got to meet this guy. I decided to drive across country because I wasn't dealing with the fucking mask bullshit. I avoided planes as much as I could during that time period. I'd rather drive than fucking put up with your bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I'd never seen the country, and I was like, well, if this country gets torn apart, let me see it before she does. Because the way she's going is not looking too good. And I wanted to see this amazing country. And in that journey, to see just how lucky this country is and how much resources it has, there's no excuse for there's no excuse for us to be in the condition that we're in. It's fucking mind-boggling to me and devastating to see our nation in the condition that it's in, having traveled across it, city to city, sea to signing sea, mountaintop to mountaintop. How lucky we are, man. How vast we are. To be where we are right now, there's no fucking excuse except corruption and evil and everybody needs to be held accountable regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. These motherfuckers should be ashamed of themselves, bro. And that's kind of what the whole thing's about. So, you know, I hate politics. I hate politicians. Someone that seeks power to me, most of them are not seeking because they're not Mother Teresa's, bro. Albanian, by the way. They're not, they're <laughs> not Mother Teresa's, these motherfuckers. They're seeking power because they have a plan. They have an agenda for themselves. Mm-hmm. Forget even like theories. I'm talking about just for them themselves. Instead of going and working and being a hard worker, they want to just let me sit here and tell people that work what the fuck to do. I never even let me tell you how to run your club. I've never even fucking had a club or worked in a fucking club. I've never worked in a real job. And they come and make your life harder with stupid rules sometimes. Mm-hmm. Fucking. Re- Idiotic fucking rules. Yeah, how about how about that rule where you had to you had to wear a mask to enter a restaurant, but as soon as you sit down, you could take your mask off. How about a rule? Like, <laughs> how about a rule? Huh? Like, how about a rule like you had the cabaret laws in New York? What you want to talk about racist laws? Those were racist laws. Where a nightclub had to have a license to dance. A license to dance in New York City, really? in America, really? That's the only thing I'll give the Blasio. I fucking could not stand him. I hate him. I think he's evil. I think what he allowed to happen to New York City is a crime against America. However, at least he got rid of the cabaret wall. When was that in place? Okay. It was in for a long. It was in since segregation, and it was a law that Giuliani had resurrected out when he went after the mega clubs. It was a law, a law that was dormant. It wasn't really enforced, and he needed a way to like shut down the nightclubs. Oh, you don't have a cabaret license, and they would shut you the fuck down because they didn't like what you were doing or you were operating a certain so way. Dumb. So dumb. So dumb. And they dumb. use it to shut down places like, you know. 
A lot of nightclubs. That's how yeah, they big, went down. Mega, mega clubs. Wow. Like the club that you would have the three floors. Listen, club to this touch. day, you know, we want to talk about epic club owners. You know, you have Steve Lobel, Ian Schrager, Studio 54. Strong second place, Peter Gation, though. The one-eyed legend of nightlife. Limelight, Club USA, fucking Tunnel. This guy was a legend, though. I got to see those places right before they closed, a couple of them. Not not Club USA, though. That had a fucking slide in it. It was like crazy. It's just insane how New York used to be. You walk it's into not a club, the same anymore. You walk into a club on Friday and come on Monday. Well, yeah. all the nightlife, the creme de la creme, is really in Brooklyn now. Right? It's all in Williamsburg. It's not in Manhattan anymore. The hottest spots in Manhattan right now are somewhere nowhere and a club called Nebula. These are the two hot spots in Manhattan. Yeah, you mentioned Nebula, Nebula earlier. Somewhere nowhere is fucking amazing. Somewhere uh, nowhere. I feel like I've definitely... It's a rooftop and a nightclub all in one. Highest elevated in the city. Amazing location. The best DJs on earth. I heard you feel it. like you're in a different world when you're inside this place. It's fucking insane. I'm actually heading there right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. On the dot. On the dot. 7, seven, 7 p.m. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you have anything else, we'll do a few more minutes. It's not going to kill us. I mean, it's just... I'm just... I'm, I'm, like, in, yeah. I'm in listen mode. I can't, in, even, I can't even... Listen, uh, you, said something earlier, you said something earlier, too, where you, you had learned to um, kind of take a step back and listen more as opposed to just... You know, projecting out, you're just taking a step back to learn. And I'd thought about, you know, there's a reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth. For sure. Right? It's to sit back and listen. And that's kind of, I feel like all these stories, I'm just a sponge right here, just soaking it all up and just listening because they're incredible, incredible stories from, you know, starting the nightlife and losing your brother to going to, uh, into cigars and, and reigniting your, the flame through the cigar, which, you know, no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah, I'm going to open a cigar lounge. One day, it's one, definitely on my list. It's just, it's just incredible. I mean, I mean, I think I need to cut down to be honest with you, and I am feeling it nah, a little bit, but nah. it's not, it's not as bad as I thought. Every time I think I'm gonna have fucking throat cancer, I go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's a we actually, infection. We're gonna, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a, a you video. Know, you know, did, some people's throats are more sensitive, but as far as like cigarettes, man, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna send no you comparison. No I'm gonna comparison. send you an article. I'm gonna send you an article back. We did an episode on it where it broke down men from the age of of. 40 to 80. Fucking George Burns, bro. What else you want to know? Did you hear that video? Say, the guy was smoking 10 cigars a fucking day. Yeah. He lives to like and they said, and, 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 and there's a video, fam- a video viralist right now. It says, uh, an interview of George Burns. He goes, how many cigars a day? He goes, this is my 10th cigar. I smoke about 10 to 15 cigars a day. He goes, what does your doctor say? He goes, my doctor's dead. Legend. Legend. But I'm going to send you, we, we did an article about, <laughs> about how the comparison <laughs> between men from age 40 to 80 that smoke only cigars, no, no combination they have, Men that smoke with cigarettes, just solely cigars. They had solely cigarettes. Then they had cigars and cigarettes. They had previously smoked cigarettes, now smoke cigars, previously smoked cigars, now smoke cigarettes, all different combinations. And they showed the uh, what the hazard was to your health. So the baseline was one, right? They they normalized everything. So baseline is one. Mm -hmm. So if it was 1.0, no no hazard to your health. Everything, if you only smoke cigars – Right, and they did all different diseases, all different deaths. They had like fifteen thousand deaths in this study. Those that only smoked cigars, there was about a hundred and fifty out of the fifteen thousand deaths were men that only smoked cigars. However, of the one hundred and fifty, ninety-five percent 
were cigars that were not premium cigars. They were machine-made cigars like White Owls or, or Backwoods or the Al Capones or the Swisher Sweets. They were all the gas. Which ga- probably means they're smoking fucking weed. Okay, which is like the gas station. So they said, so out of the 15,000 deaths in this study, it was like 0.05% were only cigar smokers. As soon as you touch cigarettes, the hazard ratio is what they call it, went to 2.5. means you were two and a half times more likely to die as soon as you touch cigarettes. But if you only smoke cigars, your hazard ratio was flat, 1.0. No risk. Yeah. And it's a study done by a health journal. And we did a whole episode on it. I'll send it I to you. It was, it was, it's a pretty recent article, too. It came out this summer. Unbelievable. It was the Harm summer. Reduction Journal. And they did a whole study on it. Mm-hmm. And they have all the data, all the numbers, all the graphs, everything. And I was looking at it. And I said, look at this. I said, you know why? It's because the people that are smoking cigars, one, they're not inhaling it. They're not chain smoking it. Like with cigarettes, you're smoking 15, 20 a day, <laughs> sucking it down. Cigars Into are, your fucking lung directly. And That's cigars are a in a, in a premium cigar, 100% Tobacco. There's two ingredients, right? 100% tobacco, which is what you smoke. So the thing that you're actually smoking is 100% tobacco. And the other one is vegetable glue. And that's just what they use to hold the label. You don't even smoke that. You take the label off. Yeah. But if you go in cigarettes, the shit that you're inhaling, less than 5% of a cigarette is actually tobacco. Less than 5%. I think that was the first thing you said when we started talking on Instagram. You're like, man, I got to cut back. My throat's fucking killing me. Yeah, it wasn't even because of cigars. I had a tonsil infection. Ah. See, that's what it's yeah, all about. I love it. What a fucking episode. Beck what Lover a in the house. fucking episode. We appreciate you coming down here, man. Travel. My punchline is this, and I'll, and I'll end it with yeah, this. Yeah, this, this is where this is where we give you the red carpet. So oh. this is this well, is actually, where. Actually, no. What is it called now? It's called the. It's not the red carpet. The black anymore. carpet. Black well, <laughs> that was because of the MTV Awards. <laughs> we'll get know. we'll get that. That's coming in part two. Okay, that's coming in part two, and we have our own rooftop studio. We can. Uh, or we go to we go to Beck Lover next. But time. this is where. So this is where you get to. You know, shout yourself out, plug away anything you're doing, your your punchline that you want to send off the episode with. This is the black carpet is is yours to plug away, my Those friend. Are people that are listening, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter how bad it may seem right now at this moment, I don't care how horrific it is. I don't care if you lost fucking both your legs, both your arms. I know people like that. Some of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. I don't care if your wife cheated on you, fucking your kids. God forbid, Pastor. I don't care what the fuck you're going through right now. No matter how hopeless it may seem. Because that's how I felt. thought it would never get better. No matter how bad it is. No matter how hopeless it may seem. As long as you have air left in those lungs, you can always make a comeback. If you want to hear some of these true comeback stories, check out thecomebackteam.com. Every link is on there. You can follow me on my social media at B-E-K. That's Beck. Be like boy, E like Edward, K like Kimberly, Beck Lover, NYC on Instagram, or at Beck Lover on TikTok. This is your boy with his friends, and we're just burning shit down. Appreciate you, my brother. Eric. We got nothing left in the cups, but it's only right we send you off. Cheers, chin chin, salute. Thank you a lot so much, Beck. How do you say how do you say cheers in uh, Albanian? Kazuar. 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 <laughs>